Reacting to the world's best science. The Naked Scientist Newsflash. Hello and welcome to the Naked Scientist Newsflash, where we take a weekly look at what's hot in the world of science. This week's episode features Dr. Kat Arney, and I'm Ben Valsler. Coming up, we hear about how researchers have developed brainwashing, or at least can selectively wipe memories from mice using a neat chemical trick. Now, the scientists found that temporarily boosting levels of this protein, it affected whether mice could remember newly formed memories, and even it affected whether they could remember fear from a month before. They'd specifically managed to wipe those memories. And we have an electrifying high-voltage report from this year's Cambridge Teslathon. Teslathon is a group of people who are interested in high-voltage electronics, Tesla coils, and pretty much anything to do with high-voltage, high-current, static electricity, all sorts of technology-related stuff like that. That's all on the way. Now, no longer the domain of science fiction, researchers at Medical College of Georgia in the US have found a way to selectively wipe memories from the brain. This is brainwashing, yes. Uh, Luckily, so far, they've only got this working in mice, which is a relief for us all. They can't carry out their evil plan. It all centres on a molecule called calmodulin-dependent protein kinase 2, or CAMK2, and this plays a really important role in many aspects of learning and memory. And writing in the journal Neuron this week, Dr Joe Tsien and his team described their experiments in which they've rapidly change the levels of CAMK2 activity in the brains of genetically modified mice. And these mice had been engineered so that you could just give them a simple chemical and it would change the levels of this molecule up in their brains. Now, the scientists found that temporarily boosting levels of this protein, CAMK2, it affected whether mice could remember newly formed memories, and even it affected whether they could remember fear from a month before. Uh, And further experiments showed that this wasn't due to the fact that mice couldn't recall those memories or uh, any other type of memories, but they'd specifically managed to wipe those memories. Now, if the name of Dr. Sien seems familiar to any of you science junkies out there, it may be because back in 1999, he and his team created Doogie. This was a mouse that had enhanced learning and memory skills. And although this current experiment may sound like the work of evil scientists, their brain wiping research could actually be very helpful in the future. For example, you could selectively wipe really traumatic memories or get rid of phobias. Um, However, Dr. Tien does say that we shouldn't expect human brainwashing anytime soon. And uh, he says, and, and I quote, no one should expect to have a pill to do the same in humans anytime soon. We are at the foot of a very, very tall mountain. But a very exciting mountain to climb. Very exciting. I could wipe all my terror away. That'd be great. (laughs) Also, this week, researchers have found x-rays generated from a very unlikely source, a roll of sticky tape. By putting the roll of tape in a vacuum chamber and unrolling it with a motor at a rate of about three or four centimetres per second, not only did they register that there were x-rays present, but they actually did produce enough x-rays to get an accurate x-ray picture of their finger. So, hang on, they've put a roll of sellotape in a vacuum tube and they go zoop and it gives out x-rays? Yes. Shocking, isn't it? What on earth were they doing (laughs) to find this out? What does it mean? They're looking into quite a well-known phenomenon called a triboluminescence. And actually, you can see this with sticky tape in the dark. This is almost a kitchen science experiment in itself. Oh, with envelopes and stuff like that. Envelopes are a very good example. It also works with certain sweets as well. When you bite into them, you can see them flash. But writing in the journal Nature, Carlos Camara and his colleagues at UCLA describe how they made the discovery while looking into triboluminescence. And he said that you can see these things, and so nobody thought thought that 
it would be a problem to get radiation from them because light, of course, is a type of radiation. But people were very surprised when they get powerful forms of light like X-rays. Now, triboluminescence occurs in the sticky tape when the glue is pulled away from the underlying tape layer. The molecules get sort of stretched out and this separates all the different electrical charges in the adhesive. And as they're pulled further apart, the voltage or the potential difference between these charges increases to the point where it actually overcomes the natural resistance of the material and you get a discharge from it, an electrical discharge. So the electricity kind of pings back across yes, this difference. Yes, it, it jumps across, producing basically a mini uh, lightning bolt from that. So when you do that in air, you get visible light. So again, a little kitchen science for you. Turn off all your lights, grab a roll of sellotape, unroll it quite quickly. You should see a sort of slightly blue glow coming off it. Now, the other thing that was really interesting about this was that when you unwind it in a vacuum, the electrons that do that discharge, that make that little jump, don't have any air molecules in the way to slow them down. So when they slam back into the tape surface, they decelerate so very quickly that all of their energy gets turned into a short, vigorous burst of X-rays, which was strong enough to X-ray their fingers. Now, nobody's suggesting that instead of actually putting people in a current X-ray machine to check broken bones and so on, they just... Wrap them in sticky tape. (laughs) (laughs) Wrap them in sticky tape and suck out all the air. Uh, But it is a very interesting breakthrough, and it does represent the most compact and lightweight way yet discovered to produce X-ray light. Uh, Carlos said that this could have all kinds of applications for portable X-ray production in cameras and other imaging devices, so it's very promising. I think that's fantastic. I just love, you know, they're sitting in the pub. Ah, oh, tell you what, boys, let's get that sellotape and put it in a vacuum. <laughs> That'll be funny. Anyway, uh, on to a completely different subject now. Um, you, you must have heard this saying, Ben, he who smelt it dealt it. <laughs> I have, yes. Yes, we're all familiar with that. It, it's when someone releases an unpleasant odour from their, their back end, and that's that whiff of rotten eggs. Um, and this is actually gas called hydrogen sulphide at work here. Um, but actually, now a team of researchers has shown that this rather whiffy gas plays a really important role in controlling your blood pressure and it's produced by cells that line the blood vessels. And the scientists found that hydrogen sulphide made in your body, like in your blood cells, can relax blood vessels, dropping the blood pressure. This is a good thing. And to find the link, the researchers studied mice that were lacking um, the gene that codes for an enzyme called CSE. And this is the enzyme that makes hydrogen sulphide in the body. And they measured the levels of gas in the tissues of these mice and rather unsurprisingly found that they had very low levels of hydrogen sulphide. And then they, they put tiny little blood pressure cuffs on the mouse's tails <laughs> to measure their blood pressure and found that it was actually around a fifth higher, 20% higher in these mice with, with no CSE um, than normal mice. And this showed they had seriously high blood pressure, hypertension. And they also found that their blood vessels from these mice hardly relaxed at all when other drugs were given to them that normally does relax blood vessels. Now, so far this work has only been done in mice, but it is highly likely that it's at work in humans as well. And if this sounds rather familiar, it's because we've known for some time that we also produce a gas in our bodies called nitric oxide, um, NO, and we produce this gas and it also helps to relax our blood vessels. So this is another gas molecule, a gas transmitter in our bodies that's having uh, this effect. And drugs Drugs that affect nitric oxide production are already in use, and uh, our readers, listeners may have heard of one of those. It's uh, Viagra, which is rather more famous for its side effects than its actual effects on the blood uh, circulation. But now we've discovered this hydrogen sulphide pathway, it does open a new door for kind of new types of treatment for hypertension. So it's quite exciting, if a little bit smelly. Yes, does this mean that that really mean trick you can play when you're in bed with your partner and you break wind and then quickly pull the covers up over their head is actually good for them? 
I think it's only these tiny, tiny quantities of hydrogen sulphide produced deep within the blood vessels. No, you're just horrible. <laughs> I wouldn't dream of doing it myself. I've merely heard that my friends have done it in the past. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, perhaps. Well, doctors have also developed a new technique with which to tackle one of the more embarrassing aspects of sexually transmitted infections. Now, at the moment, when a patient is diagnosed with any STI, there follows a laborious contract tracing process. This is where you have to track down, warn, test and then treat any recent sexual partners who might also be at risk. It's very time-consuming, it's a very costly exercise, but it's absolutely critical from a public health perspective that you try and catch all of the people who are potentially infected before they then go on to infect others. Now, many patients find this very embarrassing, and understandably, I think, it's not a pleasant phone call to have to make to an ex-partner or to a one-night stand. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> now, writing the journal PLOS Medicine, Deb Levine and her colleagues from the Internet Sexuality Information Services, they present the electronic answer to this situation, a system of anonymous e-postcards that alert recipients to what they might have picked up, say, at a recent party. Their web-based initiative is called InSpot, which stands for the Internet Notification Service for Partners or tricks and it's a website with a difference users choose from a range of online greetings cards so rather than <laughs> happy birthday happy christmas hello you might have chlamydia yes exactly um, it's not as pleasant a card to receive perhaps as happy birthday but it's still a very important one now it does also mean that people can add a short message but it's sent and this is the real trick to it it's sent anonymously so you don't actually have to say who you are now you add a little message the, the thing gets sent out, this e-card gets sent out, you receive it in your inbox and it gives you links to information about the disease you might have caught or might, might be carrying and a list of the nearest places to you to seek treatment or advice. So it is very helpful for stopping these things before they get too far. The system was actually first launched in San Francisco back in 2004 and since then nearly 50,000 e-cards have been sent and they've scaled it up to many other cities and they've translated it into other languages. So it's definitely a working process. And about 50% of the recipients of the e-cards do choose to avail themselves of the information provided or go and get checked out. So that's a very good rate, whereas a lot of people would in fact just ignore the answer phone message that says, go and get yourself checked out. Now, although the system relies on patients knowing the electronic contact details of their contacts in order to warn them, the team point out that most of the cases of STIs, well, not necessarily most, but certainly a large number of cases of STIs, are occurring amongst people who use the internet to meet new partners. And so, by definition, they already have this information they already have your email address and so with one person in 10 affected with chlamydia in certain age groups and rates increasing by get this is frightening but rates are increasing by a hundred percent per year in some areas uh, this initiative really could help to stem the epidemic of things like chlamydia but let's just hope that nobody starts using it to spread internet viruses instead oh no that would be a terrible um yes good way to stop real viruses and finally our last little story here is i mean here at the naked scientist we are all pretty warm-hearted people aren't we i'd say I yeah, think so, yes. Very nice. Maybe, maybe not Chris, but he's not here, so we can say what we like <laughs> about him. But now researchers at Yale University have shown that it might actually be down to our choice of drinks rather than our lovely warm personalities. Writing in the latest issue of the journal Science, the researchers have found that people judged others to be more generous and caring if you've just held a warm cup of coffee, but actually you think people aren't so nice if you've just held an iced coffee. And following on from this, they also found that people are more likely to give something to others if you've just held something warm but more likely to take something 
if you've held something cold. And to test this, the researchers um, got some volunteers in, some students, and asked them briefly to hold a cup of warm coffee or a cup of iced coffee. So just, uh, you know, oh, can you just hold this a second? And then the, the volunteers were then given a packet of information about a person and asked to assess their personality. And the volunteers felt that the person was significantly warmer in personal terms. You know, this person's a nice person, generous, and so and so, if they'd just been holding the hot coffee compared with if they'd just held iced coffee. And then they did some more experiments where volunteers either held hot or cold packs and were told that they could either have a gift certificate for a friend or a gift for themselves. And those who'd just held a hot pack were actually more likely to ask for a gift certificate for their friends than to ask for something for themselves. So not only does physical warmth make us see other people as warmer, but it actually makes us nicer people. So uh, go and turn the heating up. And this actually ties in. There is some science behind it. Um, because it ties in with recent brain studies that show that hot or cold can trigger activity in parts of your brain called the insular cortex. And this area has been found to be damaged in people who have a, a borderline personality disorder, meaning that they can't figure out who to trust and they can't cooperate with people. So it probably all, all ties in with the same area of the brain. Very interesting. And they didn't drink the drink, so it wasn't no. that they were just enjoying the buzz of some coffee. No, you just got to hold it. So go and make me a tea, Ben. Crikey, very interesting. Read the references and find out the facts. All our programmes are archived in text and audio on our website at nakedscientist.com. This week also saw the annual Teslathon held at the Cambridge Museum of Technology. The Teslathon sees enthusiastic amateurs get together to show off their homemade Tesla coils. Now, these are huge, high-voltage devices based on the same principle as an electronic transformer. Now, a transformer works because a current in one circuit, which they call the primary circuit, induces a current of a different size in the secondary circuit. Now, this is actually how mains electricity is scaled down from the high-voltage and power lines into the safer 240-volt that gets into your house. Now, I met up with Eric Woodruff to find out more about what the Teslathon really is. Teslathon is a group of people who are interested in high voltage electronics, Tesla coils, and pretty much anything to do with high voltage, high current, static electricity, all sorts of technology related stuff like that. So, really, anything that can make a nice big spark? That's very much part of it. Some of us try and make the biggest spark possible. Some of us try and do it in more interesting ways. And, of course, we try and push the modern technology to do what something can be done 18th century-wise by Tesla himself. So how did Tesla's original coils work? They seem a very simple principle. They are a very simple principle. Um, Effectively, it's a, a standard transformer with a primary and a secondary. Um, And what Tesla did was he also introduced resonance so that the primary has an associated capacitance, the secondary has an associated capacitance, and the two synchronise with each other and form a resonant coupling, very much like a young child pushing somebody on a swing. Uh, You can get a very small movement that can be made into a very large movement just by uh, the process of resonant rise or multiplication. And this enables you to have huge voltages, and this is what gives you these lightning-like forks that seem to be flying across the room behind us. Well, that's right. I mean, some of the coils start at 240 volts. They quite often cheat and go up to 10,000 volts or so into the primary of the coil, and then due to resonant rise and the way the Tesla coil is constructed, um, we'll get 100,000 volts or 200,000 volts from the top. But because it is high frequency AC, 
that means that we can then push quite a lot of power into a spark or an arc, which will then grow much longer than the 100,000 volts sounds. And that's why they do seem to be reaching out and fingering their way across the room. There are some really huge sort of forks of lightning across there. Is it actually safe? No, is the simple answer. Um, like, like most things that are interesting or fun, it isn't safe. You have to be very, very careful. Most of the people in this room have been doing it for many, many years. They know their equipment because they've had to build it from scratch. It's not something you can sort of uh, just go out and buy. There is inherent safety. We all abide by a set of rules for the safe running of these sort of events. People have to stand back from the equipment. The equipment has to be able to be made safe. But obviously there is that inherent danger. Any high voltages, high currents... And unpredictable equipment, you've got to uh, view with a degree of uh, distrust. <laughs> and I'd imagine that the element of distrust you have means that you actually have to be fairly reserved in public. So the people who come along to the Teslathon this weekend won't really see the full power of what your devices can do. They will see a limited amount. Um, th- there are some things certainly that we wouldn't do in a public environment that we would do in private because obviously the the safety of the public and the people who are watching the tesla coils here today is absolutely paramount um we we don't want to hurt anybody (laughs) it would uh, really ruin the enjoyment of the whole event for everybody you know and cambridge industrial museum where we are today seems like a very appropriate setting for this i understand you come back each year to do another tesla song here does it feel like home uh, certainly for me. I mean, I've, I've been doing this for about seven years now. Um, the actual Teslathon has been here, to my knowledge, for nine or ten. It's usually on the same weekend every year, which for some reason happens to be Halloween. I don't know whether that's uh, <laughs> by planning or by accident. But no, we've, we've always been very welcome here. And uh, obviously with the, the connection to 18th century technology, um, we seem to fit in very well with the other machines and equipment at the, uh, the pumping station. And of course, we all like to go and have a, a look round at that sort of technology too. That's it for this week, and thanks for listening. The Naked Scientist Newsflash featured Dr Kat Arney and was produced by me, Ben Valsler. If you've enjoyed the Newsflash, why not try out the weekly Naked Scientists podcast? Featuring news, interviews with top scientists, your questions, and a kitchen science experiment for you to try out at home. We'll be back with another roundup of science next week. The Naked Scientist News Flash, reacting to the world's best science. For more information, look us up online at nakedscientists.com.